At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number six, Drina Burton on finding balance and raising vegan children. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. I am your host, Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster board-certified pediatrician, certified food-for-life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Today, I am here with Ms. Drina Burton. She is one of my heroes. I have been making her recipes for many years, and I just think that she is a genius in plant-based cooking, and I feel so honored to have you on my podcast today, Drina. So thank you so much for being here. You are very kind. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Yami. Great. And Drina has published five cookbooks. Uh, the most recent cookbook she's published is Plant Powered Families, which is a beautiful cookbook to look at, but also just has some amazing recipes. And my favorite one in there is the sweet potato chocolate cake. That thing is just ridiculously delicious. And she also has two cookbooks that are fabulous. And most recently, she has contributed recipes for Dr. Neil Barnard's book, his latest book called The Cheese Trap. So thank you, Drina, for being on the show. And I just wanted to open up with a little bit of background on you. How long have you been eating a plant-based diet? And what inspired you to take that on? Yeah, um, well, thank you very much first. I'm happy to be with you, and um, I have been eating plant-based, it's over 20 years now. I didn't have one of those like definitive moments where some people say it was this date that I transitioned because this event happened or I watched this film or something like that, because then there really weren't many of those resources. Uh, for me, it was a very gradual shift, and uh, it, began, uh, it began in my teens. Um, I was reading and I one of the books that I read that really resonated with me was Diet for New America <laughs> and that was like a real pivotal book for me to read and learn all of these new things about food and our environment and about animal agriculture and it was 
very much connected to health for me. That's where I started. And so Die for New America, I also read Fit for Life back in the day, which parts of that are, you know, I don't really subscribe to, but um, it also resonated with me on some levels because they talked a lot about dairy and how it doesn't digest very well and those kinds of things. Um, the food combining parts of things, that's not something that I do, but um, that's where it started. And as I began, so I was, like in my early 20s, I think in my teens, I started to explore just taking red meat out of my diet. But that was very much like, I'm not going to eat steak, but I might still have bacon. I mean, it was one of those like random things. And uh, I did that in my teen years, but it was in my 20s. And after reading that book, because I wasn't feeling very good in my 20s, I was in university and I, my body felt uncomfortable like all the time, my joints were stiff. Um, my digestion was really sluggish. Um, I just did not feel well and I couldn't pinpoint it. I, it wasn't like I was sick all the time and, and, you know, coming down with flus and that kind of thing, but my body felt slow and sluggish and uncomfortable and my joints were uncomfortable. I had episodes of the gout in my twenties. Wow. Yeah. And I just, it didn't make sense to me. And, and as I read and started to experiment, I noticed as I removed the animal products, then things cleared and felt better in my body. And so it went from like red meat to chicken, um, fish and dairy were sort of the last things. Dairy was a phenomenal difference for me because I did, I used to call myself like the dairy queen <laughs> and ice cream and the, and yogurts and things like that were something I loved. So that was a step that was hard to take but probably one of the most worthwhile steps to take because I felt so much different. And so then over the years, the more we experimented, it got to a point where it's like, yeah, we're done. Like we're done with animal products altogether. Dairy's out, no fish, nothing. And I enjoyed cooking far more. So that's kind of what led me to cooking because um, when I got out on my own and was cooking in university, I did not enjoy cooking animal products. The whole cleaning and taking, you know, the flesh from the bone and then the contamination and all of those elements, it was really not appealing. Cooking was not an enjoyable process. And then later starting to bake vegan and cook plant-based, it was beautiful. Like everything is just fresh and abundant and colorful and clean and lovely. So it was a very enjoyable process for me. And my um, father-in-law at the time that my husband and I were living in Canada, and we moved to BC, Canada, and my um, father-in-law had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And his um, doctor, his cardiologist at the time said, you should convert your diet, you need to make a change. And so his parents who had always eaten a very, you know, basic standard diet of meat and potatoes and, you know, lots of fat and that kind of thing. They said to us, we want to change. And that's when I started writing my recipe. So I was getting into it, but that kind of was like my inspiration to put things down on paper. And that started my cookbook journey. Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell. Oh, I love that story. And I had heard about your father-in-law before, but I didn't know you had started even before then. And I love what you said about being, you know, kind of, icky about cooking the animal products before because I never heard anybody else say that before but I felt the same way when I started cooking plant-based it's almost like you have this feeling of freedom like oh you know I'm, I'm not going to give myself E. coli or salmonella and really it's fun to experiment because it's hard to go completely wrong when you're cooking plant-based I don't know why it is like 
like I would always feel like weird about making fish or something like it would never turn out right. But if you're cooking with grains and beans, like just add the right spices and it's really not, it's, it doesn't go wrong. So um, I love hearing that. So um, one thing that I've always been curious about is like, I really do feel like your, your recipes are phenomenal and you just have this great flavor balance and all of this. Do you think that you are naturally just a good cook or what, what was the process that you went through to learn how to combine all these flavors to make everything so good? Oh, you're so kind. Um, I, I love this question because no, I don't think I started as a naturally good cook. I think I started as a naturally good eater. <laughs> I started as someone that loved food. I didn't love like the healthiest foods growing up. I mean, people wouldn't know this about me, but I just was a huge junk food junkie kid and um, I did not eat much healthy food. So this has been like a long lifetime journey for me to mm. eat the way we eat now is so far from where I began. And, and as a child, like I ate so much refined food and junk and sugar. And um, I, it was, it was just, it's just like night and day from where you know, I was, but I always loved food. So I enjoyed flavors and tastes, and it was interesting for me to learn. And when I began to learn, it was when the Food Network first came out, when it was the beautiful, like I used to, I look back on Food Network as like the fond days when it was learning about food and not competitions. Yeah. Now everything on TV is reality and competitions mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But when I was learning about spices and cooking and bringing flavors together, there were actual cooking shows that taught a lot of those things. Like this is how you bring bases of flavors to stews, or um, these are spices that go nice together with, you know, these vegetables or with these fresh herbs work nice with these elements and that kind of thing. So I learned a lot through that and just reading and going through um, magazines and just kind of learning about food very much. I did not grow up cooking. It, it was just something that I, I grew to love. And I think becoming plant-based, really inspired my love to learn about food. Um, but I had many disasters. <laughs> and I mean, I had many, many bad meals and many baking flops. And there's times I've tested a recipe like 20 times to get it the way I want it. And it could be good, but the way I want it, I will keep testing it to get there. So um, it's much, you know, experimentation, but definitely my process has streamlined now. Like I can kind of look at elements, go, okay, I need about this much and about this much. Whereas years ago, I would overdo something far, far more than I do now. So it's kind of like anything you practice, you, you refine as you go. That's great. Everyone. I mean, I just kind of want to get that message out there because some people say, I don't cook. I don't know how to cook or I don't like cooking, but I really feel like if you have any interest in eating healthier, you can do it. It's not complicated and we can make it simpler. Sometimes we go online and we see all these Pinterest images and blog images and everything looks so beautified and perfect that it's intimidating when really most of us eat very simplified day to day and we don't need to make these luxurious foods and desserts and meals and, and present them in those ways. We need to just make it simpler for ourselves. Yes, absolutely. I agree 100%. And I can see that you've put the time and energy into it. And it does, it's a lot of work 
to test recipes. So I really admire that because I've dabbled a little bit in creating recipes and I'm just going to leave it up to the geniuses like you in the world because seriously, that's a lot of work. So I really admire that and I'm very grateful for that. And I, I'm also very grateful that for your honesty, I recently posted on my Facebook page about my childhood and I ate sugary cereal for breakfast with whole milk and chips in high school, I would get out early and my lunch was literally a bag of Fritos like this big. And that, that was my lunch. I was a total junk food kid. And so I love how you are using your experience and your honesty to show people, hey, just because you grew up on junk food doesn't mean you can't learn to love whole plant foods later on in life. So thank you so much for that. What do you think was the hardest part for you whenever you were transitioning to a plant-based diet? Huh, that's a really good question because I think, uh, you know, the obvious choice might be, you know, for a lot of people be cheese, giving up cheese, giving up dairy. Um, for me, I think looking back was when I began eating vegan, it was options and availability of foods because that was 20 years ago. And so it wasn't a matter of like, I kind of accepted then that when I became vegan, cheese was out of the picture. It just mm -hmm. wasn't, it wasn't like, is there a good vegan cheese? It was just out of the picture. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get upset about not finding X brand in my store or whatever, because there were just no options. So I think it was availability of certain foods and products like plant-based milks. There was maybe two brands then, and they were not very good. So it wasn't very, um, palatable at times to, um, not for myself, because I, I think that you don't need a lot of those substitutes to enjoy the diet. Mm -hmm. Like you can enjoy the diet on the basics and you can make things like sweet potatoes taste so amazing or beans taste so amazing. Um, but to introduce other people to the diet, like if we were inviting people over or something, then that was a bit of a challenge. So I think it was just that whole realm back then and feeling like, getting access to information. Now information's everywhere. Like yeah. you can touch your computer and get any article, resource, community group, anything you need. But then it was a challenge to find the resources. But you know, I feel fortunate that I kind of just stuck with it and found some key groups like PCRM. Mm -hmm. They were one of the first groups that provided information that I felt solidified to go with as a you know person and a, and then with my husband and then with our family. And so um, yeah, I think that was the challenge then was just, um, you know, I remember going to the store and asking for soy milk and they, they just looked at me like I was crazy. Is that a formula for babies? <laughs> so I didn't know that soy milk was a different option. Like it just wasn't there. So. Yeah, that was, man, that was back in the hardcore days being an early <laughs> adopter. I've, I've heard of some people that have been vegan for 20, 30 years and wow, you guys were really determined because it was a lot more difficult back then. What habits or behavior changes have you had to implement in order to continue to live this type of lifestyle? Um, I think it's really like a commitment on a, on a level that you don't try to not let people influence you too much. Like um, you can, you can be committed to the diet, but so easily doubted by what other people say. And it can be on a personal level or even reading something online. You can see one article that can kind of throw you off. So for me, it's just been really listening to that like inner voice all along that 
this is right for us. This is right for us. And um, at times that means sacrificing going out to dinner, you know, for, um, because we didn't have anything in our area. We still don't have a lot in our area. So it means driving to Vancouver um, and that's okay. But I think that sometimes it's, um, yeah, just making, for me, the habit has been becoming kind of organized in my home life with, with meals, because I know that, you know, we can't necessarily grab food at, um, you know, the place 10 minutes down the road. So I'm going to make sure I have things ready for the week and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I think it's just organization and some preparation really mm-hmm. and just believing in it and, and yeah, just really believing in it in your, in your being. I love that. So it's using your intuition to stay committed that you're going to stay on this path. I I believe in this. I'm going to stay on this path. Even if I'm hearing all of this random chatter of people that are trying to point out the little, little things about that, that may not make sense to them. So that's very important to remember that, to keep that in mind. It will always be there. That chatter will always be there. And I'm not saying don't look at the resources and the signs, but that isn't there. Like that's there now. So um, we need to kind of, you know, get grounded in what we really believe in, I think. Yeah. And especially like you were saying, there's so much information out there on the internet that you can pretty much find something to support any belief you have. But I think the good news with a plant-based diet that both you and I are, are aware of is that there is an abundance of research, there's an abundance of evidence in the literature that shows that this is a healthy way of eating and can even reverse chronic disease and help for a pediatrician like me to help prevent some of these chronic diseases that are really uh, producing a huge burden on our society, not just financially, but emotionally. Just like you said, your father-in-law, you don't want him to be sick. You don't want people that you love to go early because of their chronic conditions. Uh, So it really is an emotional burden, too, that we're trying to lessen. So, Drina, you have three beautiful daughters. I've seen pictures of them in your cookbooks. And that's one thing I'm very interested in because I work with families and families sometimes that have four or five kids, super busy moms, little babies, what tips would you have for these mamas that they just want to ha- make their family healthier? They don't even know where to start. What's a simple place that they could start to take those steps in the right direction? Yeah, and that, that's really key. I, I mean, because there are stages that you go through as a parent too. And I sort of feel like where I am now with my kids, my kids are 16, 12, and 8. Very different than when they were toddlers and just starting school. So people who are there, they're just like getting through the day. I mean, my life is still busy with my kids, but there's a difference than when they're toddlers and, and under your feet and you're going to preschool and kindergarten and, and everything feels manic. And so at that stage, I really feel like focus on uh, the foods you already love, like the foods that you know your family loves and build on those. And don't stress out about doing recipes per se. I mean, I develop recipes, but I also try to show people how to to make it simpler. Like even within a recipe, I might say, instead of making this sauce from scratch, use a pasta sauce and just add this or something like that. Because if your family already loves pasta, I mean, most kids love pasta and you can buy whole grain pastas and make them healthier, then um, 
build around that. So maybe add, you know, lentils to your spaghetti sauce some night, and then you've made like a heartier meal and see how they do with that. If they really love tacos, well, then it's an obvious choice. You can easily bring in beans for the taco mix, or even try like a substitute, like um, a ground round. I found a really interesting one lately that is not even soy based or like a faux meat. It's based on cauliflower and walnuts and sunflower seeds and that make the ground round and it's one you can pick up. So again, like there's so many options for people. Um, but if you focus on the things you like, they love potatoes, build a meal around potatoes. My, if I put potatoes on the table, like the whole family's happy. It kind of doesn't matter what I do with them. But if you put potatoes down, a bean salad, maybe put some guacamole with it. It doesn't need to be a main dish. There doesn't need to be a center. Just combine some good wholesome foods and focus on what they love and repeat it. And then maybe um, after a few weeks when you're feeling comfortable, then maybe expand and say, okay, well, they like this. Maybe I'll try this, but don't try to do it all at once because it's too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, as they get older, then that's when you can kind of branch out and try recipes or bring them in and say, you know, you want to cook this with me. And when they're really little, get them involved, not necessarily with cooking because a lot of people say, oh, do your kids cook with you? And sometimes they want to get in here, but one, sometimes kids don't want to cook. Two, sometimes it's really stressful to cook with kids. Like it takes a long time and you're trying to get things done, but they can pick out things they like. They can go, like they're at the store with you anyhow when they're little. So they can pick out a new vegetable to try or a new can of beans, like a different variety that maybe you haven't tried or um, a new fruit. And so you can evolve them in different ways or to pick out a recipe and then they're invested. So that's kind of a couple of tips for when they're little, like get them involved in ways that aren't too labor intensive for you. And also just build on foundations that you know work already for your family and, and just kind of make them more nutrient dense with vegetables and grains and beans, and you know, potatoes, sweet potatoes. Most kids love sweet potatoes. They're like one of the best foods ever. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I like to start families is work with what you love and know already. Mm -hmm. That's lovely. So simplicity is key, really. You don't have to stress yourself out making these five course gourmet meals. Just start with what you know and uh, feed those hungry bellies, those delicious foods. Your girls have been plant-based their whole lives then. Is that right? Yeah. Has there ever been a time when it's been difficult for them as like school or social events? How do you guys navigate that? You know, it's been pretty good. Like I really, I think as a parent, you anticipate far more than is going to come. Like we worry, right? If we all worry as parents and you kind of envision these situations at school where kids are picking on them or being difficult. But for the most part, I have found that situations have been okay. And the only few sticky times that have maybe come up, I have found the kids navigate them pretty well on their own. And if we let them, they probably do a better job of that than we do because we get defensive and we get like, you know, worked up and emotional, whereas they just kind of slough it off or come back with a joke and it's done. Like the situation is done. So um, I'm noticing with my teenagers now, uh, they, their friends tease them and make jokes and say, do you realize when you're drinking water, you're taking the fish's habitat and stuff like that. So, you know, <laughs> like that's a new one. I hadn't heard that Me one. Me neither. That's a good one. <laughs> There's always something. So, you know, they get things like that. But for the most part, I would say that when the kids have been younger, there's been more curiosity than criticism. So it's it's been okay. And there's challenges when you have play dates or school parties or 
um, your own birthday parties. But again, you can get around that. I give all kinds of tips for working with those situations in my book. But one thing is that you always try to make the food. Um, for me, I always try to make the food seem really familiar. Mm-hmm. So when kids are coming over, I don't break out, you know, the chickpeas or tofu. I kind of do the real basic foods that they know, popcorn, fruit, cookies, you know, keep it simple for snacks. And then if they're open to it, then, I mean, I've had kids love chickpeas. So then I will do my chickpea nipples and they love them. But generally I, I keep it really like, um, you know, very simple for other children. Cause they sometimes come into, into our realm, I'd say like with perceptions because yeah. of what their parents may say, or their parents know that we're vegan. So they may say, oh, you know, you might be eating strange food. Like I, I kind of get that that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. They come in and ask a lot of questions. So if I present really familiar foods, cookies, fruit, popcorn, like something like that, there's, there's no issue. That's, that's amazing. I love your wisdom in that because I, I've seen that happen probably in my house too before with neighbor kids kind of like looking at like, wow, that's kind of strange food. Um, but I also love how in your cookbooks, you're so balanced and you bring out treats. You show us how to make treats and not only how to make them vegan, but how to make them really wholesome. So what is your kind of philosophy on treat foods and and children yeah i mean i love treats myself it's not just kids like i i've always as a you know a child i love the treats and a sweet tooth has always been some something that's been with me my whole life so i don't say i can't have that like i've never i don't do that that was something i used to do like maybe in my teen years when you know you do diets and things like that i don't look at food that way now so I don't want my kids to feel that way because I think that that really complicates our relationship with food. I know because I've been through it. Um, mm-hmm. I've been on mint, like I'm very um, healthy and, and then I'm, you know, quite trim and everything now, but I wasn't as a child. So I was put on diets. And so I know that that relationship with food can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I don't want that for my kids. And so far, so good. I'm seeing that they have a, you know, a good relationship with it, but they love treats just like any other kid, just because we eat chickpeas and brown rice and, you know, they have oatmeal and things like that. That doesn't mean they don't want salt and vinegar chips or cookies or ice cream sandwiches or anything else. Like they still do. And why wouldn't they? Right. I mean, (laughs) who wouldn't? So the way I feel is if I'm feeding them wholesome through the day and they're also choosing wholesome snacks and they do, then there's room for the treats. And I do feel like our treats are healthier overall anyhow. So it's, you know, kids can definitely overdo sugar and things like that. And sometimes I think, oh, am I overdoing it? But then I see what a lot of kids are eating and I realize, no, we're doing good. <laughs> and, and the reason I think we doubt that as parents is because we see a lot online that makes us compare ourselves to others, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's, it all looks like a very perfect realm everywhere else. So, but you know, I think if you can eat like, I always say like 80, 85% good food, like not good food, but wholesome nutrient dense food, then fine. You can have your chocolate and you can have your chips if you want, but it's a smaller amount of your diet. And I do really know from experience that your palate will change anyhow. Mm-hmm. And if you grow up on really wholesome food, like I see with my kids, they will taste things and they know it's artificial. Like they can taste that now. And they, they say that, 
that tastes odd. Like one of my daughters, she, she's like my fruit girl. She loves fruit so much and she will not want to eat something that's flavored fruit, you know, like a strawberry flavor. She says it doesn't taste right. So your palate does adjust too as an adult. If you start off and you're, you've had that kind of background, like many of us had eating processed foods and sugar and, and lots of junk food over time, that does change and eventually you want more good food. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed that with my family. If we've had a couple of days of eating more refined foods, they all want something nourishing. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you already knew that about children and intuitive eating based on your experience when you were younger, because that's something that I'm starting to teach now too. And it took me a long time to figure that out that whenever we outlaw treats it only makes them that more appealing to the kids and then sometimes they may end up binging on them or hiding them and it becomes this really dysfunctional relationship to food so i completely agree with you and in fact that's what i say a lot of the time is i have the 80 20 rule 80 percent of the time try to eat as healthy as possible beneficial health promoting food so that 20 percent of the time you can play you know you can have some fun with food and that's part of an enjoyable free life is to be able to have that. And I'm, I'm grateful for people like you that make these recipes so delicious that it's still a, a quote treat, but it has a lot of fiber and antioxidants too. So it's like a win-win situation. <laughs> Treats don't have to be fully junk, right? They can be more wholesome. So that's right. And when your palate changes, it is, it's delightful. So uh, Drina, if you could tell me about, um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about motivation. So I know that you've had some things that you've been through in your life. Can you tell me about a difficult time in your life and what motivated you to get out of it and keep on going and, and going through with the rest of your life? Oh, that is such a good question. I think we all can look back and like see certain periods that have been really challenging. I had a very challenging time about three years ago, just as a mom, I think I came to a place where I was giving, giving, giving so much. And I just kind of crashed. Like it was a very hard time for me. And I knew that, uh, it was, I had to surrender a little bit. Like I had to say, okay, I, I, I can't do everything I'm doing normally. You know, I can't always, um, have everything, it, um, ready or available or give, give, give all the time. I had to take back for myself a little bit. Um, it was a very hard time. I had pretty much just wiped out my energy supplies and just almost like I had to reboot. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I think I knew it would get better. I knew I had been better and I knew I would get better again. And I just had to like trust in that, mm-hmm. that I could. Um, and I'm only honestly like feeling now I'm coming back to myself in a way like mm-hmm. it's been a long journey. It was, uh, probably a year of a very difficult time. And it's, I feel like the last year or so has been much more free and easy. And I'm kind of like coming back to a better place again. Mm-hmm. So I think we all have, but I think moms in particular can really just drain themselves and especially the way we live now, because our kids are carted everywhere and everything is scheduled and, and we're trying to keep up with everything we see online and it's also artificial. Yes. <laughs> Most of it's so artificial, like what we're seeing. And so um, I think it, 
for me, I had to actually, this particular year was really good for me. I started meditating back in September and I had never really meditated. And I'm not like some, you know, Zen, you know, I'm a very high intense person and I go, go, go. So it's very hard for me to like calm down and get grounded. And I'm certainly not an expert, but I said to myself, I'm going to try five minutes in the morning. And I did. Um, and I have every day done something like even if it's five minutes and I just started doing because I'm not very good at sitting quiet by myself so I did guided meditations on YouTube and I just would look through and find short ones and find ones that would resonate with me like that sounds like something I need today and some days it's 10 minutes like today I did a very long one because I really felt I needed it this morning and yesterday too um, and then other days I do five or 10 minutes and that has made a huge difference to me. And then people talk about meditation all the time. And I don't think it's that we need to like transcend to another level or something. I think it's that it just helps us find some peace in a way that we're not getting during the day. Um, so that has helped me a lot. And, um, yeah, just trying to be a little easier on ourselves sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I read recently on Facebook that you also do yoga. Is that also part of your self-care routine? Yeah, I do. For years, I've always been someone that enjoys exercise for myself. Well, not always, not through my like younger years. I was not a kid who uh, was into sports. So I was, um, when I got into exercise, it was very much self-motivated. And that was in my teen years. Um, and so I've always exercised on my own at home and, but for many years I did the kind of hard exercise, like lots of cardio or lifting weights and that kind of thing. Cause I wanted to be in shape. And then again, through this period that I had, that was really difficult. I realized what is, what is all this like doing for me or against me? It was more like against me. And I feel like now I do yoga and I do every day I do something, but it's not always a lot of like physical stress. Sometimes it's more just opening, like feeling my body's opening and stretching and releasing. Um, and sometimes it is more like building muscle through yoga, but every day I do something. So, and it's not always very long, sometimes 15 minutes, mm-hmm. but it gives something to me. And uh, yeah, so I think I started doing, I've been doing yoga like very off and on for years, but it's been probably the last two years. And again, I just started with YouTube videos and found people that I kind of liked and thought I'll try 10 minutes today. And it's just developed over the years. I love it now. I feel like I I don't want to go morning without it. (laughs) 15 minutes. And I also have a rebounder, one of those trampolines. And I use that some mornings. If I feel like I need like a little pep, gets my blood flowing and it really helps like loosen the joints and everything. Cause when you get older, your, your joints do get a little more like tense or something. <laughs> so I feel like it, it just kind of lubricates everything and flushes things through your body. And uh, so I do that some mornings, but generally it's like about 15, 20 minutes of yoga. And that, that, I don't know, that just works for me. Everybody's different. Right. Yes. Uh, but I feel like I, I was almost beating up my body for a long time. If you know what I mean? Like with, with certain exercises that weren't so great for me, but I thought they were. And now this does both. It strengthens mm-hmm. my body, but it also strengthens, you know, much more my mind and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, it, it definitely sounds like you are really coming to a place where you can listen to your body and your mind to do what's right for you and not just what seems right or what you should do. You know, those shoulds that we have that are always floating around that sometimes make us make decisions that aren't aligned with what, who we really are. Along those same lines, it might be similar to what you already said, but what habit of yours, what personal habit do you have that you are most proud of? How did you form it and how do you maintain it? Oh, um, I think it is um, the meditation right now, like doing that every day. And even my husband says to me, he's like, wow, you know, like I admire that you do that every day. It seems like it's silly in a way that he says that to me but I, I kind of get it because it, it's discipline to kind of say okay I'm gonna sit down and, and take this quiet time um, I think it's been that and and just being committed to that uh, and yeah just kind of listening listening to yourself a little bit more it's hard it's hard to do <laughs> it's just so many messages out there that it's really hard to just kind of listen to what you want and what mm -hmm. you in a moment so I think that that's one habit that and um, just um, trying to take some more like quiet time for myself today I used to not do that to myself as a mom so now if I'm feeling really burnt out I'll say to the girls I need like a half hour today to myself to just zone out and I don't mean like watch TV I go outside or I go downstairs and I plug in my earbuds and I put on like a meditation and I just, it's not even a meditation, it's um, binaural beats, which I don't know if you know what. That's how I started meditating several years ago with binaural beats. I, I still use that. Okay. And I will use that to, sometimes it just calms me down. Sometimes it'll help me snooze for like 20 minutes in the afternoon. And that gives me so much to just keep going and giving through the day as a mom. So that's another habit that you know, I think I used to think that was kind of selfish to do that. Now I just own it. I need this. <laughs> I'm taking it. Oh, I love it. You are so wise. I, this is just excellent for other moms to hear that it's okay to listen to your body and your mind. And we're humans, right? I mean, especially when you have lots of kids still at home and you have to do so much from the time you get up to the time that you go to bed. We need that time to really go within ourselves and find that inner peace. And I agree. I've been a meditator for several years now. And to me, it's like brushing my teeth. If I don't do it, I'm missing something, you know? Um, so I love that we can share that together. And I started out with the binaural beats. And then sometimes I do guided and go back and just kind of see how I feel that day of what I'm going to use. But that's beautiful. Good. Well, I think too, I, I, you know, moms need to remember that we are working like anybody else, but we don't get our lunch breaks. We don't go out to lunch with people and have that hour of time that is shut off from the rest of our work, or we don't have breaks in the day that are dedicated, like go take a break now or have your lunch or whatever. We are on, 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 on. So unless we really make that a break for us and prioritize it, it just doesn't happen. And it may not affect us immediately, but I think that's how we lead to burnout. And I think that's how I did. So, yeah. Well, and especially for people like you, because not only are you a mom, which is enough, <laughs> but you also write cookbooks and you also have a blog and, and a website. And um, sometimes we do put a little too much pressure on ourselves to do everything that we do, um, which leads me perfectly to our next question is, 
what motivates you to do the work that you do for the world, to write your cookbooks and do put all that work into testing recipes that I know you, you do so diligently. What really motivates you to, to share that with the rest of us? Uh, I think it's a combination of just loving the work. I just, I mean, it's, it's something I just love. It's not hard for me to play around in the kitchen and test recipes. And when I, on my most like frantic, stressful days, sometimes that's where I go is to the kitchen because it's, it's like a solace for me to go and usually the chocolate comes out. <laughs> it's one of those days. It's like, what recipe can I make with chocolate today? Um, but it, it brings me some kind of peace. But the other thing is to connect with people, moms online. Like I know it sounds cheesy, but when I do, and I do connect with them often because now it's so easy to like with Facebook and everything, you connect with people daily. It's not even that they may send you an email, but they may just make a comment on a, recipe that you've posted or something and knowing that it helps other people I mean it's it's like a win-win I mean I enjoy it I really feel fortunate that I somehow found a way to do something that I really love that also helps people and people love too it's it's a beautiful thing that I I have it like I just really feel grateful that I can do this work um and it's yeah it's just it's fun it's just fun to play in the kitchen I have a harder time actually getting down to business with the you know technical side of my blog or um getting like the actual I I can create recipes all day and then when someone says when are you posting I'm like oh I really <laughs> want to type it out and <laughs> get a photograph and make it all look right for the blog like that's the part that slows me down because I can tinker in the kitchen all day long it's, it's much fun for me so yeah Oh, well, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, like I said, it, it really does add value to so many people's lives to know that we can have such delicious food that we didn't ourselves have to come up with whenever we want to do something special or fancy or have treats. So thank you. Well, Drina, this has been a fabulous time. I am so, so thankful that you agreed to come on the podcast. I've learned so much from you, and I just see that you're just such a beautiful, wise soul. So I think that this was just a delight for me. Before we um, say goodbye, I wanted to see if you wanted to tell the listeners about your products or how they can find your eBooks or any of that. Sure. Um, pretty much everything they can link to my site, which is plantpowerkitchen.com, and I am diving into the technical realm. Well, I'm not, but I have someone redoing my site for me. Um, so it's, it's going to look a little different soon, but it, pretty much everything is on my site. They can link to my books. I have eBooks as well. And um, like you mentioned, I'm doing some work with Dr. Bernard as well. So some of um, the work I'm doing now is actually going to be in his books um, coming down the road. I just finished working on diabetes recipes with him. So he has a cookbook coming out in, I think it's in the spring. Um, and it's a follow-up to his reversing diabetes cookbook or book. And it's an actual cookbook. So that's coming up in the spring, but pretty much everything is on my site to link to like social media and, and everything that I'm doing. Excellent. Thanks. Well, thank, thank you. you. No, thank you for coming on. This is a treat for me. And I, it's really been a pleasure. And keep up the good work. And um, I hope maybe I'll run into you in BC someday when I'm driving past to go to Whistler. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be nice to connect or maybe at a conference or something sometime. Oh, yes, that would be great. I love to, but I don't get to many. So I want to get to one this year for sure because it's so good to connect with people in real time, real 
real world. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's so many now to the, the, the great thing is that now that this is picking up, the movement's picking up, there's lots of different conferences to attend. Well, Drina, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And I'll make sure that in the show notes, I will put your website and everything that you have available. So thank you. I, I will talk to you later. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocket surgeons music. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggie fit kids, or you can email me at veggie doctor, V-E-G-G-I-E D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.